brothers and sisters, it's time for Angel Repair Juice. By popular demand, it's Angel Repair Juice. Меня зовут Генри Волк. Я мой друг Матвей Бонини. My name is Matthew Pancake. As usual, oh, as, you, <laughs> as usual, Henry's catching me off guard. He didn't even tell me he was gonna like do because I was joking with him anyway. About uh, about um, see we're recording this a day after I put the thing in the group about girls and Panzer, and uh, I put the th- the link to Kachusha on there, and he totally missed the reference, Mister Russian guy. I did, <laughs> but now he thinks it's cool. So yes. <laughs> for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, the there's worldwide there's these Panzer well Panzer division there's these tank divisions in the in the show and it's all schools and it's all girl girls driving tanks shooting each other. Don't ask me how it works. It just it just winds up working. It's fun to watch. And and one of them is pr- from Russia, Pravda. So there. That's what that's about. Yeah, we've been gone for a really long time, Henry. Yeah, what are we yeah, going to what what kind of excuses did we come up with for not well, being Well, Matthew, I one of them I, is I, life. Well, yes, life <laughs> is is a big excuse. <laughs> Um, I am actually in the process of moving. Um, yeah, tell me. Um, well, you don't have to tell me. How did that work out um, yesterday? Um, uh, we we don't know yet. Uh, we had someone come by to to check out our house, see if they want to buy it. Uh, so we'll we'll find out. Oh, okay, um, that's right. I, you know, I shouldn't even have said anything because that's a, that's a, exactly how that works. I bet you they left from there and went to another one, didn't they? I don't know. I mean, it's it's possible. It just yeah. depends on what they're looking for. I, and I can imagine it's probably how it works. You want see if yeah. in sales you want to give people choices, and what you do, like I'm, I used to be in sales, and you always sort of like, well, here I'll show you this, but here let me show you this too. Oh yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you're more likely to get a yes, I'll buy something if if you force them into a position of I gotta choose. Because the because the other choice is to choose to buy or not to buy. If you got yeah. two things to buy, then oh, okay, I gotta choose one of these, right? So you you're totally lost the the choice of not buying something. Now it's I'm buying either this or this. You automatically picked up the yes. So uh, I could imagine that they went someplace else. Oh but, yeah. Well, but, if, but if the guy's determined to sell yours, then he took them to something more expensive. Possibly. Well, that's that's how they we'll, that's how they get you right there. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But, I'll bet uh, I'll bet people didn't know that they were going to get schooled on how to avoid getting uh, getting themselves in trouble <laughs> looking for a house. <laughs> it's Angel at Angel Repair Juice. We provide so many different yeah. services. Yeah, so many different services. So, so, so many, you know, so. So I had some things happen that, you know, it's not, it's not that, um, you know, I just suddenly lost interest. I just had like one thing after the other 
go down and you know i had I, in this case it's it's not relatives that are passing away it's it's uh you know my best friend died and then that was that was rough enough by itself but then but then something that i knew because uh, i knew his his niece growing up and she died of cancer she was 20 yeah. she was no excuse me she was um not 27 that's that's how old my my niece was when she died no, she was 30, 38 oh, is how old she was. Wow. Died of cancer. So, And that, that I don't know, that just knocked me off my horse. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was glad when you said, well, we're, we're in the process of moving because it sort of took the pressure off of me is to say that, oh, okay, here's the reason why I wouldn't want to be doing this right now. Yeah, yeah. So, Sometimes you got you to take something off your plate, you know. yeah. That's that's 100% true. There's, you can't and, do everything whenever everything's happening. So No, you can't. And you know what I warned Matthew? What? Is that the Angel Repair Juice group continues to function <laughs> With, just as well whether or not we do a podcast. <laughs> that's why I said back by popular demand. Because yeah. they're just, ah, where are you guys? Actually, I did have at least one person say, so when are you doing a podcast again? See, see, this is a podcast that we're not we, because we're sort of ramping up. What on earth to do with it? Uh, we haven't been actively promoting like some yeah. people are on Facebook. Um, so, so, so since now I know what it looks like to be on the receiving end of one of those p- uh, PR blitzes from somebody who's doing their <laughs> podcast. I have no reservations whenever we get when we're fully rolling again on this thing. They're just driving people nuts with, have you listened oh, yeah. to our show? Have you listened to our show? I'm just going to add you to this group. I don't care if you want to be added or not. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, adding you to yeah. the group. And now I'm going to tag you in my post. And now everyone in the world is going to be, you know, and there's going to be a thousand people all on the list. And it's like, listen to our show or else. We're yeah. going to use pow- the power of Facebook to force you to listen to Angel Repair Juice. <laughs> it's already Which, been yeah, <laughs> which is, by the way, intended to be a segue. But uh, we want to do some contact info. Do oh we, yeah, that sounds great. Do we remember how to uh, do contact info? I think I remember how. <laughs> so, if you'd like to get a hold of us, there's a multitude of ways you can do that. Uh, the first of which is you can contact us by email at uh, Angel Repair Juice PC at gmail dot com. PC stands for podcast. That's Angel Repair Juice PC at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook. We have both a page uh, in which you will receive updates on new shows, anime information, etc. And we also have the group, which is just like a nerdy little haven of awesomeness where people talk about anime and stuff without being judged uh, for being a nerd. Actually, that's 100% true, too. I haven't ever seen anybody go off on someone over something it's it's a pretty it's a pretty chill place it's uh yeah it's uh very inclusive very had to do no uh, adminning other than that one guy that spammed the place remember that uh, oh yeah yeah that i got rid of him of course i think you were the only one who caught that because he did it at like some god-awful time at night like when no one was awake so i don't think anyone saw that except for you yeah so so either way, and the Twitter account, did we get Twitter there? Account, yep. yep. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at ARJ Podcast. And uh, if you get hooked up to all those, you will be so overwhelmed with ARJ goodness that you also need to make sure you follow us on uh, 
iTunes. <laughs> it's one we always <laughs> seem to forget. Yeah, you there can you go. Listen to the podcast on iTunes or uh, any of your uh, favorite uh, podcast feed apps uh, or websites. Well, yeah, Stitcher, and uh, one of the things we got to do now that. G- all this time, Google didn't have a thing like podcasts, like um, like Apple does. It turns out, <laughs> but Google does now. Now they have Google Podcasts. Oh, really? Yeah. So, oh. like I just added, um, um, uh, I didn't add us because I actually hadn't thought of it yet. But um, I added, um, why can't I remember Radical Grace Radio to the to the thing? And you know, you get a little bump from that. So now you can actually use your Google Podcast app to find us. So, but that's what we'll do that with us too, because I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that yet. Yeah. So, but you can use, word. if you got Stitcher, you can do that. Uh, Stitcher is a good one. Uh, they actually added the podcast for us. We didn't even ask them to. They, oh, really? They, yeah. Oh, they wow. just, they, yeah. They just have some sort of a, a web thing, you know, a web crawler that goes out, finds podcasts and adds them uh-huh. to the thing. It's kind of creepy, but it's also pretty <laughs> awesome. So I'll so, take it. So yeah, I mean, you, when you find it, it looks like it looks just like we, we, you know, we're added to it. So I, I think, you know, I haven't looked lately, but Angel Repair Juice is on Stitcher, whether we like it or not. So, oh, <laughs> so there. On there and, and look at that, yeah. So, but uh, I, I think it's, uh, it needs to be stated that for a little while, um, the, the podcast may be more sporadic. And yeah. the, the formatting will be different until I'm settled. Yeah, we're going to do shorter shows until probably. Yeah, and and probably know. not weekly, but we'll we'll do them as as often as we can. Although we always do them weekly with an A. Mm. We always do these shows weekly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a very good pun, but there you go. Hey. So. It works. Okay, so what are we going to talk about today? Actually, um, it was it was um, it was your idea to talk about political binaries. I guess you're sort of riffing off of something that I put up. Although, um, uh, well, I don't know how do, how do we how do we start this thing? Well, uh, I'd like to shoehorn this on a on a new segment idea I have. Yeah, um, something that I would like to do until the election this November. And um, oh, are you gonna get it, your book out? Oh, I'm getting the book out. Oh, he's getting the book, book. out. Quotations um, from Chairman Trump. Chairman Trump. So, <laughs> uh, our history buffs uh, in the in the listening audience they uh, may recall the Little Red Book. Uh, actually, it wasn't authored by Chairman Mao. It was compiled by one of his generals, I believe. But it was a a little red book of quotations from Chairman Mao. That was the name. And uh, growing up, uh, I believe it was the 70s when this thing was originally published, perhaps the late 60s, uh, everyone kept copies of these little red books with quotations from Chairman Mao, uh, basically on them at all times. And they carried them around. You gave them as presents. Um, they they were kind of the equivalent of the little pocket Bibles that, uh, like the book society. Yeah. Like those ones that they used to give you, uh, for graduation. Yep. Yep. Like those, like those little red or green ones. Yep. Yeah. And that's basically what it was, except it was just filled with quotations from chairman Mao. And of course it's debatable whether anyone actually read these things. 
but it was, it was good a, to have just in case. It's good to have just in case, and it was a little social status thing. You, you were a good communist if you kept one on you. However, uh, let's fast forward to today, and a woman named uh, Carol Pogash, if I'm pronouncing her name right, has compiled a bunch of quotes from uh, old Honorable Chairman Donald Trump. Uh, and it, the book is made to look exactly like the initial book uh, containing the quotes from Chairman Mao. So it's a little red book, and it has a picture of Trump's face on it, you know, in the sun, in this nice little golden imprint. And it has various quotes from the uh, from the Donald taken from his debates, from uh, news interviews, from social media. And so since we seem to be in a Russian mood today, <laughs> I'd like to, to read a quote from the Donald, old Honorable Chairman Trump, uh, in a little section of the book called Standing Up to Putin. <laughs> so let me let me channel the Trumpster here. We need some unpredictability. We really do. We're so predictable. We're playing against Putin. Speech in Greenville, South Carolina, August twenty seven, two thousand and fifteen. You know that's that's uh, that's a pretty lame quote. <laughs> yep. There's there's We've many more. We've been so more. predictable, but but then again, you know what he says is usually like that. How come he didn't see. say it was huge? Yeah. Let, me, let me find one here. Let's see. Find one that's huge. Uh, it's so huge. Here, here we go. At Jeremy HL, uh, semicolon RT at Fox News, at real Donald Trump, I have thousands of Hispanics working for me, and they like me very much. <laughs> That's from that's a tweet from that's October fourteenth, yeah. two thousand fifteen. Here's another good one. I don't have a racist bone in my body. Interviewed on Entertainment Tonight, July first, two thousand fifteen. Let's see here. See if we can get one uh, where he says huge. It's gonna be huge. It's gonna be huge. I don't know if anyone has seen these things and. I don't know if I can necessarily recommend them because they are pretty, uh, how would you say, vulgar. But <laughs> uh, there are some great mock debates between Trump and Bernie uh, on YouTube. And one was hosted by Fusion and another one was uh, from Comedy Central. And these things are hilarious. I mean, they are Excuse me. Spot on. The the the, the actors they, do a great job with the impersonations, and it's 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 hilarious. It's worth. You can find them on YouTube. You can find them on YouTube. Okay, there you go. That's easy enough. <laughs> uh, let, let me see here. Yeah, if we do a segment, we need to have like a, like I don't even want to know what the music would be for Donald Trump. It's, Said, uh, I guess we could we could at least take um, you know like the presidential music. I used to know what that was called. I feel bad because I can't remember what that's called now. And no, yeah. it's not the presidential march. There's another name for it. I got, I got one last uh, one last quote here, and this is of course a pretty popular one. Um, 
I couldn't find one where he says huge, but given right. that this is a Lutheran podcast, you got to throw in that religious element. I don't have to say it. I'm Presbyterian. I'm Presbyterian. That's down the middle of the road, folks. I mean, Seventh-day Adventist, I just don't know about. Casting doubt on Dr. Ben Carson, yeah. Dr. Ben Carson's religion, rally in Jacksonville, Florida, October 24, 2015. <laughs> so Presbyterians are pretty middle of the road, huh? Okay. Middle of the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not Religion's not his strong suit. Sorry, Mr. Two Corinthians. Two Corinthians walked into a bar. You know, that's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, as soon as I heard him say it, I was like, this just sounds like it's a joke. <laughs> that sounds like a show title. Two Corinthians walked into a bar. I could have it. Two Corinthians walk into a bar. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. I don't know what else you can do with that. I mean, I guess I could go ahead and write the joke. <laughs> oh, well, you know, Jimmy Fallon's is hoping and praying that Trump gets in. Because oh, I'm sure they all are. Because, it, because you know, Hillary's just so old news. Oh, I mean, what no. do you do with her? She's getting old. She's starting to look, you know, like an old woman. I mean, she's already an old woman. What are you going to do? Just there's nothing Man. you can do. No sense of humor. Yeah. No yeah. Unless she, unless she does something. But then speaking of presidents, does that bring us around to the uh, this thing about? Uh, oh, see, I, I don't have it on the screen now. Let's political see. Polit- well, political binaries. So that people know what I was talking about is like it didn't seem to matter. My my thing was is that. I was trying to tell people because they're all they're all so certain that Trump would lose in the general in the general election. And and the reason is because we'll just wait till all the stuff comes out about him. And I keep telling him, listen, here's what's happened. And and he's done this very deftly. Nobody believes anything that someone tells about him now. Nobody does. Because it's it, there's so much garbage that that has been written about him over over uh, you know the last year I mean you know since just before I mean we're coming coming along to a year since he announced since he announced his um, presidency that you know people have written stuff that's blatantly not true yeah. and all of the stuff that is true gets swallowed up along with that to where everyone goes nah now nah, if you check that out you find out that's not true and then someone refutes something that's real and they go well you see. They're all just trying to derail him. They're just trying to derail him. All of them are. Just like the Republicans did, and now the Democrats are trying. I'm voting for him. Because people, they are angry. Yeah. They're angry. And, you know, I, I hear people saying that, well, it's because it's economic. It's because it's, but it's actually a lot of things. And one of them we ran into, and I'll, I'll go ahead and do my rant, and then you can do your Paul, Paul Tillich thing. Um, my rant is this is what you get. Whenever someone is drunk with power and they're going to use the power of the state to force you to do what they say to do. Um, I got into it with some people. I'm, I'll just say, say it like it is. Regardless of what you think about Christianity, it doesn't matter at this point whether you're Lutheran or just Pres- or Presbyterian, middle of the road, or, 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 you know, some, yeah, or some other kind of Christian. You know, it, is, it doesn't matter to me. Um, mm. Why is there oh there's something playing? So I guess I'll mute it. <laughs> Boom. It's gone. Um, 
Yes. See, it, it doesn't matter to that. me. You have to understand that it, from just a sociological standpoint, re- religion serves a kind of purpose in the community, and it is it is that it's an efficient way to keep people in check. And here's and here's what I mean by that: religions, including Christianity to a large extent, internalizes obedience. You know, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt bear false witness. You know, or in other words, lie. Um, if you believe that these things are wrong, which is what religions do, you, we, we say, you know, you should bring up your children from the very beginning with these things and they won't depart from it as time goes by. That's actually true. You teach them these things, they grow up, they, they don't steal, they don't kill, they don't lie. Um, you know, so it makes it much easier to police the population. Now, here's the problem. What if you don't believe that murder is wrong or that stealing is wrong or that lying is wrong? At that point, all you've got is the power of the state, and all the power of the state can do is coerce you. We made a law. We're going to throw you in jail if you murder someone. We're going to throw away all your rights, lock you up, and throw away the key. It's just straight-up coercion. It doesn't matter at that point whether the person believes it's wrong or not. The state will force you by threat, by fiat. This thing with the bathrooms, okay, with restrooms and with locker rooms, and Barack Obama saying, you know, I'm going to send out 13,000 letters that basically instructs all schools that now they they have to, by presidential fiat, under threat that we will take away the money that you states, by the way, sent to us. We'll take that money away unless you start just letting everybody of every gender go into bathrooms. It's just straight up coercion. It doesn't actually change anybody's thoughts. Why, why does that matter to me? Because up until now, this with uh, with transgendered people and and stuff like that has been nothing like the civil rights movement, where we've got um, the national guard standing outside bathrooms. Is this how this is working, Henry? We, we have the national guard standing outside bathrooms saying transgender people can't come in. That's oh, not no. that's not happening, I, is it? I mean, you may have some redneck militias doing. That. <laughs> yeah, I, but the thing is, is I don't but, I don't know that that's even the case. No, you know, I, don't I think, think so. that the like, like for instance, um, I've seen places around here that they have one bathroom now, and what happens is, is a guy goes in, uses the bathroom, comes out, and guess what? There could be a woman standing there. She walks right in, right up behind him, uses the bathroom. No one cares. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we got places like that. Yeah, here we too. got, and and as you can see, it's happening grassroots. At ground level, nobody's like standing outside the bathroom saying, sorry, you can't go in there. Even before Target said, you know, made their big announcement that, you know, freaked everyone out. There was nobody stationed at the bathrooms at either a Target or a Walmart or a Kmart or or a Sears or any place saying, you know, checking to make sure that everybody's the right gender when they went in the bathroom. No one was doing that. And here comes Barack Obama. With a with what is essentially a rage quit, you're going to do what I tell you to do, or I'm going to take your money away. Flips the table over, walks away, six the the attorney general on everybody. Now, now I do want to say this about the bill. Um, in North Car- to my in North Carolina, you mean the North Carolina bill? Uh, well, no, not this, but this new um, thing yeah. Obama's done. It's not a bill, I guess. Um, well, because what Obama's done. because of because money goes, see, money flows from the states to the federal federal government, yeah. and the federal government doles that out for education, okay? Yeah. And he's basically saying 
Um, it's not an executive order, but he's basically telling them that you should do this or we can take oh, that money away from you. Gotcha, gotcha. That's, yeah, that, that that's a, the power of the state. You know, gotcha. we, we have control of this money. We'll just take it away from you. Gotcha. So um, what my cousin was saying is that part of part of the mandate, that's that's the right word, the mandate is that any of the of the students who, who identify as transgender, um, they have to have a doctor's note. So it's just not like any kid can just say, well, I'm going to, you know, uh, use any bathroom I want. That's that's not going to fly. So there's uh, the people who actually identify as that way, um, you know, with the opposite gender or, or the or the sex that they were born with. They, they identify as the opposite gender. They actually have to get a doctor's note and have some kind of substan- uh, substantiation um, to be able to do this. So it's not going to be just like, you know, uh, I'm not, you know, let's go, let's go peep in the girl's locker room. And I'm, now I'm not a hundred percent sure that that's true because when I was, when I was, see, I'd have to check it out, but I was listening to national public radio yesterday and they said that the, the part of his letter was no doctor's notes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then I see. But that's okay because neither one of you are sure about this at this point. Yeah. So it's not like, yeah, it's, you know, need to do a little more research. That's why it's kind of like, in my opinion, it's, it's a rage quit. It's sort of like, you know, I'm the president, you do what I tell you to do and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, and it's kind of like you said that, um, especially given the way that our government is structured you know, we have the, the three tiers of government that, uh, things probably would have progressed more naturally um, without sort of these fiats, um, you know, both at the state level and just the local level, or even just uh, you know, in, in the private sector. Uh, even uh, it's probably not the right term, but you know, uh, well, private sector, yeah, yeah like, so, like, like, you know. Here's your dichotomy: um, school restrooms, uh, public restrooms in yeah. um, in government buildings, yeah, yeah. Um, things like that, versus Target. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's right. You had it right. So, uh, part part of my theory and um, about this whole thing, as I kind of as I look at it, kind of happening, uh, especially with. You know what Obama's just done, and what the Supreme Court did last year with uh, gay marriage, is that I kind of see the LGBTQ movement as the new Christianity. I just want that pause because that's really shocking. Um, what, what I mean by that is, is that like when Constantine promoted. Uh, oh, okay. I get Christian. you. Now, now, see, that's not correct because I'm actually confusing history here. Constantine didn't promote Christianity to but he the state religion. It. He legalized it. It yeah. was the emperor after him that actually made it the state religion. Yeah. But I don't know that guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. It's been a, been a little while. The listeners the, can uh, Google it. <laughs> Google it. Yeah, see who actually you know, made Christianity the state religion. But, you know, in a lot of ways, that's not unlike how the LGBTQ movement has been uh, come, first of all, to be more accepted within the broader society. 
And now how that they've come to a place of uh, predominance and power, not only, um, well, we could say once again in the private sector, in the corporate world, in the media. They've used the power of the state. And yes, so having these – basically these two centers of power, especially in Hollywood, um, not only has there been more, uh, you could say, public acceptance, but now – yeah, they are. I mean, it's, they have this backing from the state. It's not unlike uh, when Christianity was made the state religion of the Roman Empire. And I, I think there's a lot of interesting parallels. So, I, I mean, if you look at Christianity, and you could use this with any small minority group of people, this isn't um, something unique to Christianity. I mean, it's it, it's a it's a pattern, really. Um, but since this is a Lutheran podcast, we'll use Christianity. I mean, if you look at uh, Christianity before Constantine, it was it was kind of like this niche religion. Um, you know, Christians, ironically enough, were uh, murdered or executed for being atheists because the the Christian cult. What I mean by that is the the rituals and. The structures of the religion looked uh, so different than Greek religion um, that they said, well, the Christians are actually atheists because they don't have, uh, you know, they like a priesthood like we do. They don't believe in our gods, but then you know, their gods don't require animal sacrifices and, and the things that were identified with religion. So that's why Judaism was actually a legal religion because of its priesthood. And it's a temple. Uh, it's a little interesting factoid there. And so you have this little group of people who are on the outs. They're persecuted. They can't uh, practice their religion openly. They're underground. And that's not true for the for the whole 300 years or so until Constantine or, or 200 and something, uh, whatever the number is. Uh, yeah. There were times where it was more accepted and times when it wasn't. But you know, it's it's kind of the same, I think, with the LGBTQ community, in that you have a group of people who are um, kind of ousted from the norm. Uh, you know, they're they're ousted from the broader society, and they have their own little subculture, and they do everything secretly. So you know, sixty years ago, if someone came out as gay, um, good luck getting a job. Yeah. You know. You're totally going to be discriminated against. So, uh, yeah. not only in that way, but also in your uh, public life, in your community, and so you have this—I would say—this built-up angst over years of uh, what could be definitely called probably oppression, uh, and now it's almost a reckoning uh, in some ways. Uh, and I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like, like the LGBTQ community is this really vicious and malicious because I think Christians had this huge freak out when uh, the Supreme Court uh, legalized gay marriage and it was, oh, we're all going to be persecuted. And you, know, you had cases where people went to court because they wouldn't bake cakes. Um, and I think these things were just blown way out of proportion. And it probably goes back to this angst on both sides. But I, I think this whole shift in our culture 
is really kind of indicative of these binaries that people have. And so it's in probably in no other time uh, than now has has this dividing line between the liberal and conservative been so clearly drawn, you know, and both not only politically but probably even theologically because uh, I, I think our really conservative friends would completely disagree with me. But at this point, there's no going back. Yeah, you know, this genie's out of the bottle now. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're not going to bring back. It, it has it at least for now. It's got the power of the state behind it. So yeah, and so you know, you're not going to be able to undo gay marriage. You're not going to be able to undo these bathroom laws. Um, you might be able to refine them. Might be able to and to do these things, but you're not going to to do away. You're not going to do away with this new aspect of our culture. It's not going away. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because it, Christianity doesn't really depend on culture. Um, at least it some, shouldn't be. It shouldn't, you know. Um, it just means that we have to readapt to living in a new kind of society, a society where we're not the dominant force or a society where we don't control um, – Aspects of public and, and private morality. Yeah. Um, and and so it's in some ways it's almost like an unduel of what Constantine has done, um, because Christianity has always been involved uh, in the state seriously, probably until the Enlightenment, and the the church's involvement in the state and the power of the church has just been decreasing and decreasing ever since. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, I don't think. But uh, I've been reading here lately a lot of Paul Tillich, the, the great liberal theologian from the 20th century, and uh, people either love him or hate him, and it's understandable why they do. He's probably more of a philosopher than a theologian. And basically, I'm reading his book, The Courage to Be, and, and Tillich talks about that um, how there's three basic kinds of anxiety because I, I really think if, if you look at the, the binaries which which have really kind of manifested themselves in Hillary yeah. the, the ultra leftist bourgeois feminist and <laughs> Trump the, the chauvinist false right winger you know, the, the America you know um, you know, I don't think there's ever a time when when uh, things have been so clearly different, you know. And so uh, Tillich talks about three kinds of anxieties, uh, and, and they both have a soft and hard form. So uh, first set of anxieties is fate and death. Fate is the relative anxiety. Death is the absolute. Uh, there's emptiness or doubt, and there's meaninglessness. Uh, and then there's guilt uh, in the soft form and condemnation in the in the hard form, and he kind of goes on and talks about these three different ages in history where, uh, and how that when we get towards an end of an age, that at the end of an age is always characterized by a lot of anxiety. So so the end of the of the Greek age, uh, if I could call it that. 
uh, was really characterized about this anxiety over death and fate. You know, if you look at all the political changes from Alexander the Great to the time of Christ, or even, let's just say, to the time of Constantine, there were some major political upheavals and shifts, uh, you know, where you know, Alexander had built this great empire, then that fell, and then the Romans take over, and it's, and it's very uh, tumultuous time in history. So the, the anxiety for people was this anxiety over fate, uh, then ultimately death, you know, and so the it's not surprising that like the Platonic concept of God is the unchangeless, the, the unchangeless, the, the unchanging eternal entity, you know, that, that one thing that never changes because that's what a lot of the anxiety was about for those people. You get into the Christian period, you have the, the medieval period, and this is something that, that's very much, I think, imprinted in, in Lutheran consciousness and memory is that prior to the time of the Reformation – uh, the main anxiety of people was guilt and condemnation. Uh, I, I think that's almost like a like an understatement. If you look at all the conventions that the church had invented, whether that's indulgences, um, the, the way the sacraments yeah. functioned, especially penance, everything was about getting rid of guilt and ultimately condemnation. This estrangement from God is is, is the 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 center and focal anxiety for those people, and so uh, and it was for Luther. You know that's that anxiety is really what spawned the Reformation. Yeah, because it we figured out that well the the Roman system didn't really get rid of the anxiety. I have a side note if you that, that relates to that as far as yeah go, go ahead is here is, is I actually picked this up from a, a book about the Reformation by uh, Ian McCulloch. Um, here, here was what the, the, the differences were in Germany, in Europe, you had lots of periods of, of heavy plagues. And during those periods, he uses as a, as an example, it was a church that he, that he visited that had an altar, but had, but had two other addendum altars. Okay. And the, the reason that they had the extra altars was because during the plagues, they were offering, um, they were offering mass around the clock and they were they were doing that because they were trying to figure out for themselves what did we do that's gotten god so angry that he would send plagues after us yeah that was what was going on in the north down around italy around where the pope is they didn't have as many plagues and it just was not on their minds at all you know why are we so cursed as a matter of fact for them it was why are we so blessed yeah so for luther he grew up in that he grew up in you know, you know the the great. I don't know if it's apocryphal or not. I bet it it probably happened. Um, you're walking along the. I mean, he says it did. Walking along the road, lightning falling all over the place. He calls out to Saint Anne, you know, for help. Um, that's the way they are, you know, because who knows what's coming next? You know, yeah. you know, we, there's there's death all around us. You know, that's the way they felt. You know, and and this whole idea of selling indulgences and that they just once once Luther pointed out how ridiculous that was. You know, you really seriously, you think buying this thing's going to call off God? You know, because we we just spent centuries trying to appease God and it didn't work. And now you yeah. you've come along and you're selling us a piece of paper, piece of paper that's supposed to get the job done. Sure. But then again, people like that because this is like, okay, well, I've done the thing now that makes it okay, 
and it's kind of like this false uh, yeah up until some, of the conscience up until you know? up until here comes another plague yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so but but I mean Till points points that out and it's and it's so right but you know there's all this anxiety at the end of that age it all kind of culminates in this anxiety and then after the Renaissance you you kind of have the Enlightenment and with the Enlightenment there's just an upheaval of everything we thought we ever knew. And I, I think that a lot of Christians, uh, there's, there's this attempt and this thought that, okay, well, we just need to, to, to go back before the enlightenment, the enlightenment made everything bad. So if we just push the reset button on, on our philosophy and on our metaphysics and just go back to pre enlightenment thought, then everything will be okay. Sorry, that's not going to happen. Um, and so basically Tillich says that now that we're kind of in this third age, this has been – this last age has really been characterized by the anxiety of meaninglessness and emptiness, yeah. spiritual emptiness and meaninglessness. And I think – and I could be wrong, <laughs> but I think that we're seeing uh, perhaps this – really the the end of the of the modernist era i mean supposedly now we're postmodern but if maybe if tilk was onto something all of this anxiety over meaning and being you know that would explain coming yeah that would that would explain why the rush to find identities mm-hmm. you know it, i'm i am gay i am lesbian i'm straight i am yeah. i'm this i'm that whatever you know, well, I'm trying to find whatever the meaning, you know, not even what my path in, in life is, what the meaning of this is. What, what does it all mean? Exactly. Yeah. And, and it, um That's actually a good a, insight. What's the name of that book? Uh, the Courage to Be. You know, you know the, here's the thing about authors, folks. Authors can be wrong about all kinds of things, especially when it's didactic stuff like that. But whenever they got a good point, yeah, take it. You, you can't. You, I mean, you know, say what you will about them. It's like, it's like, for instance, I do not like, and people are gonna, maybe they'll send me email saying they hate me. I, I don't like Diedrich Bonhoeffer. To me, he just comes across as a pietistic hack. But when he's right, he's right. Yeah. You know, you can if if you want to sit here and just let him run roughshod over you, you know, without ever speaking up, without ever you know saying something. Then yeah, you get what you deserve. I mean, he's 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 in in that vein. He's got a lot of good points. Yeah. Um, but you know, too. I, I mean, you have to kind of read Bonhoeffer contextually. I mean, he's talking to the, uh, you know, the German Christians who are basically just supporting Hitler. So you know, when he talks about cheap grace, it, it I think it has a far more social context yeah. than it does a personal context, but. Especially in the evangelical communities, because the, the evangelicals love Bonhoeffer, uh, until until letters in prison where he says that we had to live as in the world as if God didn't exist, and you know, um, they don't like that part of Bonhoeffer's theology, the the kind of proto death of God theology, but they but they love the the cheap grace and the cost of discipleship stuff. Um, they don't have that social context, and therefore everything gets translated as being individualistic and therefore really pietistic. 
Yeah, which and, individualism uh, wasn't uh, something. Well, see, that's that's the reason why I don't like it is because you know the way people use it. I mean, yeah. you see you see what happens when people start posting stuff on Facebook. They post quotes of Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and then you ask them, "So, what does that mean?" And then they tell you, and it's like, "Oh, here we go again." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I just assume people quit reading him because <laughs> if, if you know. If we're not going to dig a little deeper, then, you know, just don't bother. Yeah. Two, and Diedrich, in his uh, his last works, which are, you know, they're basically just, it's a compilation of his letters and papers from prison. It's like the title says. He, he's speculating about uh, this idea of religionless Christianity and secular theology. Because he kind of sees that the church and the religious structure is a, is a complete failure, uh, uh, and part of that's because I think he's is in this state of despair, being in this uh, POW camp, this Nazi POW camp or prison camp. And um, well, you know, that's the part. That's the stuff that I like. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here. It's great. I, I read through that book in like two days because it was it was so good. But um, you know, he kind of sees religion wholesale as, as, as just a failure. Now we need to, to move on to thinking about God without religion. Um, it's, you know, it was more unf- unformed thoughts. You know, sadly, he, he was executed two weeks before his, his camp was liberated, and he never got to, to elaborate on those ideas. But, but anyways, Tillich has a great quote here. Uh, and it's something that I really identified with coming into Lutheranism. The Calvinists call it the cage stage. And it's when you have a loss of meaning and you try to go find meaning in a new group. And so I'm going to talk about this on a personal level, religious level. And then later in the book, Tillich talks about this in a political context. And I, I think it's worth talking about here. So we're going to go longer than a short this is no Pro- longer a probably. juice box. Okay, yeah, it's no longer a juice box. <laughs> <laughs> we started off with a juice box, and we just yeah, you know how juice boxes come in those big packages. Well, we started yeah. with one, and now we're already halfway through. Yeah, we're like <laughs> we're going to be drunk on juice boxes. Yeah, <laughs> we're like on the third juice box now. You know, <laughs> might as well get that little straw out of its wrapper. There you go. <laughs> I need a, I need a longer straw. But, uh, <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> so Tillich says here, doubt is based on man's separation from the whole of reality or his lack of universal participation on the isolation of his individual self. So he tries to break out of this situation to identify himself with something trans-individual to surrender his separation and self-relatedness skip a paragraph and Tillich talks about this and what he kind of surmises is meaning is saved but the self is sacrificed and since the conquest of doubt was a matter of sacrifice the sacrifice of of the freedom of the self it leaves a mark on the regained certitude a fanatical self assertiveness Fanaticism is the correlate to spiritual self-surrender as shows the anxiety which it was supposed to conquer by attacking with disproportionate violence those who disagree and who demonstrate 
by their disagreement elements in the spiritual life of the fanatic which he must suppress in himself because he must suppress them in himself he must suppress them in others his anxiety forces him to persecute dissenters the weakness of the fanatic is that those whom he fights has a secret hold on on him and to this weakness he and his groups finally succumb uh, there's a lot to unpack there but but i think his points made i i think I, so because immediately as soon as you uh, i I could see that in in just about every fanatical anything that's been going on I, since since as far back as I can remember. You know, um, you know. Here's the well. I'm still processing it, so I'll probably get this wrong. But just take any any movement that's that's come along at least since the '60s, because that's all I'm going to go by. Because I was born in the '60s, and. There's been a fanatical kind of of you know let's let's rise up and let's do something about this, and sort of a push a, a, almost like you said like Tillich says a disproportionate pushback. Um, um, I don't know. Is I wonder if that's natural if it's happening organically with people. I use that a lot these days. I don't know why organic, um, or I wonder if someone was intentionally using propaganda or just just. Telling people that that's the way it ought to be. I wonder if that's. Hmm. I I think it's probably both. In some ways, I think it's um, evolutionary. So you in early human societies, you have clusters of people who stick together. It's their tribe. Yeah. And you find meaning in your tribe, and that's very much imprinted in us as people. Um, this mentality, we we are very comfortable in binaries and in us and them situations you know yeah. i think that's why thomas aquinas can say that one of the joys of heaven is hearing the screams of the sinners in hell uh you wouldn't think that's comforting but given the way people are and how we love these binaries it, it is comforting and so what what happens when you get a new binary because especially in our society today there's really no room for moderates um, yeah, you you have to be polarized, one side or the other. Or people don't know what to do with you. People you, don't know what to do. You with are you. automatically you are automatically ostracized. You're outside yep. because uh, you you know it's because we don't really want to work through issues. And well, I'm going to just borrow your word organically and, and let things kind of work themselves out because eventually people will. Uh, to a degree, you know, now there's some things, let's take, for instance, the civil right movement, uh, at some level, yes, there, there had to be involvement from the state to, to get rid of segregation, to, to get, uh, you know, to, to enforce different things. But at some level, uh, the state can't enforce, uh, changes in societal attitudes towards black people. Yeah, exactly. The the only thing the state that, can really do is coerce you to, no, to to treat those people better. Yeah. So I mean, those things have to change naturally and over time and organically. And so, I, I think what we've seen with this, uh, with with the new stance in our society on um, gay marriage, that was a big one. But one that's far more confusing is this trans issue. 
and it's not going away. And you have two groups of people, people who are who are radically for the agenda and don't question this. These would be like your liberal Christians. I mean, I'm going to get into some of this this more why why I think there's just like this radical, okay, that's what God wants. God wants radical openness and inclusivity, whatever that means, and we're just going to be all for it. You know, this is our new social justice thing. Let's get it rolling. Yeah. Okay, that's that response is also part of, of what Tillich's talking about here. Um, it, you know, whereas traditionally these people were in more conservative, once upon a time were had more conservative stances. Um, they now siding with the new agenda, with this new uh, shift in public consciousness now have to repudiate everything they once believed and attack it in order to be accepted uh, by the new tribe, basically. Then, on the on the other side, you, you have the reaction of the conservatives who are just like, well, we need to go back to the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, then you have people in the middle who realize that, okay, there's been a complete change and shift in social consciousness. Uh, I'm not really for either option, but I realize that this is something that we have to deal with and deal with thoughtfully and considerately uh, because after all, we are dealing with people, not just ideas. We are dealing with people here. That's very important to remember, but you don't want to be on either side. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know how many of those people exist, but I do know that you're not really welcome to the table because people don't like um, – You're not part of my tribe. You're not part of my tribe. They, they can't classify you. They don't really want you around because you have to fit within the binaries. Um, and so Yotilla uh, goes on in the book. He gives it a political dimension. Um, he talks about collectivization. Here he's talking about um, really fast uh, fascism, Nazism, and communism and how that's – um, you know, in, in the search for meaning, um, part of the, the courage to be fertility is to, to have this self-affirmation, but it's also self-affirmation as part of a group. Um, it, you know, we've kind of been talking about this. So like in the Christian context, you know, when I, when I converted from Pentecostalism to Lutheranism, I had this existential loss of meaning and that I didn't believe in the, the claims of Pentecostalism necessarily anymore or particular claims and I'm looking for something now to regain meaning join Lutheranism what do you do? Well you attack everything that you that you left yeah. because now you have to be accepted by the new group and this happens all over and you see it every day that's like on your Facebook right, That's like your right of initiation Yeah, yeah it, it is until Hill talks about this also in tribal societies where uh, you have you have the the tests of manly toughness and that's your your sign that now you're a part of us. But uh, you know, he talks about in these collectivist and neo collectivist societies, uh, in some ways it's, it's the sacrifice of the self to be uh, 
in the group, you know, it, it's, it's, everything's focused on the community. Um, I'm trying to find, let's see. Uh, so, so he just gives a succinct definition here. A collectivist society is one in which the existence and life of the individual are determined by the existence and institutions of the group and collectivist societies. The courage of the individual is the courage to be as a part. And I think this is what we're seeing in our society today is that um, no one is, is standing up for a moderate position because they all want to be they all want to be part uh, of the tribe whatever the tribe is in the tribe because there's a, there's a security there uh whether you're conservative or liberal you just bind yourself because to that. things are in such an upheaval that the natural response is that i've i need to find a group to be part of because there's security in numbers yeah, exactly it is it's oh, security okay. because now i can confirm that okay this is right my tribe is right and you're wrong. And now what that means is that everybody who's an introvert or everybody who's autistic or everybody, they're just, they're just out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I belong I mean, to anything. I'm sorry. Y'all, all y'all. Well, actually this explains why, um, the, the term neurotypical gets tossed around a lot in, um, autistic communities where you know, it's basically functional autistics. They talk about the neurotypical, you know, they aren't like us, you know, you know, that's that's you people, you, you, all of you normal people who you are the neurotypicals. We are atypical. We're not part of your group, you know. And OK, that explains uh, that. See, here's the thing. Like I said, an author comes along. He's got a good idea. Doesn't matter if he's like 90 percent wrong, 85 percent wrong, 50 percent wrong. When he's got a good, when he's got a good point, he's got a good point. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut. Every yeah, but I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not as familiar. I'm not familiar enough with Paul Tillich to say, yeah, he's he's a blind squirrel. <laughs> I'm not gonna uh, say that. You could probably say that. Well, is he as bad as Osteen? Oh, oh no, no forget no, it. No. Right? Okay. No, remember no, the no, there is no, a no, spectrum no. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a spectrum he's, that you. He's, can he's on the liberal spectrum of the. Of the, but he's still I mean, far, far away from. Yeah, <laughs> from he, 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 you could say he's as bad in some regards, but in, but for totally different reasons. Okay. He's, uh, he, he was an interesting guy, but then again, he's more of a philosopher than a theologian. I think he just did. Well, most of was, what you just talked job. about is is more uh, philosophy than it is. It, it, yeah, uh, he, he, yeah, he really was, but. Yeah. Uh, but so yeah, I and I think as, as we're you know, we're assaulted by <laughs> this every day these these uh, just just crazy radical binaries that yeah. that you know it's either you're you're for everything or you're against everything and you have to be uh, a part of this movement and you know that's that's the problem with liberal Christianity they've just attached their their wagon to the uh, Completely to the liberal political agenda, and the same thing's been true for uh, conservative Christians for a lot longer. And that to be an evangelical is to be a Republican, no matter what. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that this is really distracting us from, from uh, looking at the, the changes in our society because 
these things aren't going away because after all we're dealing with people not merely ideas and people just don't go away yeah. unless you make them which you know go hitler <laughs> and we certainly don't want that and so people aren't going away and so we need to learn how to it's not about winning and it's not about bringing back some past vision or version of society it's about adapting to the new changes in our society in a way that's intelligent uh in a way that's respectful but nevertheless is true to our convictions and the historic convictions but that doesn't happen by just reinforcing binaries. I mean, it's something you really have to to think through, and it's really hard to think through these things when there's so much anger, when there's so much tension, really when there's so much anxiety. It is an age of anxiety because everyone is searching for meaning and because the, the old narratives have been lost. And if we're going to be constructive about living in the world as it is, you have to think about, okay, so w- what's the new narrative? You know, what's yeah. what's what are we doing now? What, what are we doing here? Well, you know, that's interesting that uh, that you would say that, and I'm glad that you that this was what it turned out. See, Henry did not. We didn't have time for Henry to be able to tell me exactly what all this was about. But I find that that it's interesting because um, for those of you that were paying attention, I. I said, so what Matthew, what's Matthew been doing while he's not been doing um, Angel Repair Juice? Matthew's been considering writing a manga. And, you know, um, part of the themes of this is, you know, what, are, what on earth are we going to do moving forward? Because the, uh, rather than just, like, explaining what it's about, I'm going to tell you what some of the themes are. One of them is what, are the, what is the nature of power? The real nature of power, because usually we in in mangas and stories and stuff like that, we've got this sort of idea of what power is. But, you know, seriously, but here's but here's the trick is change. And I mean, monumental change, an idea that I've got for this for this thing basically is going to flip the whole world on its ear, because what happens if what happens if one day we wake up and find out that human beings themselves are no longer the same? Not just our ideas, but human beings themselves. And over time, everything is going to change very quickly across the span of just maybe one generation. Because that's kind of that that sensation that you would get that what would happen if who, what it what it not just what it means to be human, but human beings themselves are going to be different in just one just within one generation. The sensation that you get from that idea is the same thing that you get every day because we have no idea. Oh, yeah. You have we have no idea. Like like I postulated to somebody yesterday about you know what if the fact is is human beings don't have the ability don't don't have just aren't hardwired for the coping skills to be able to deal with the changes as quickly as they're coming. You know because it's like waking up every day to a new world sometimes. Yeah. Not just it, well, not just it is yeah so. You know that's kind of what I got going on here. I mean, you know, I've, I've what I'm going to do is as part of this, I'll take a picture of my wall. I've got thrown up a bunch of of illustrations that I've done. Um, the problem is, is that it doesn't tell you anything about what the story is. It's just like illustrations of 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 people and things like that, and and which it's nice. It makes it 
you know, mysterious. <laughs> What's this about? I can't tell from all of this gobbledygook he's got all over his wall. <laughs> but uh, but as soon as I can, like I I about I do expect. Listen to way I can't even say it. Can't even talk here. That I've almost got all of the the thoughts of the workflow. How on earth am I going to? do this because you know a manga chapter is between 40 and 55 pages long a chapter is (laughs) (laughs) so do i actually want to do that i mean you know or or am i going to break it up a little bit differently that's just the decision to come later but how to do it that's been a nightmare but um yeah power well what is it what is the real nature of power like what if everybody had had and I do mean everybody. Uh, what what would you do if if the like sometime in the future, you and I both personally have the power to just wipe out the world? How, what you know? What kind of world are you going to live in then? Yeah, <laughs> that's not it's not like the world we live in now, where <laughs> people do have that power, the capability to to wield that kind of power. You know, where where we imagine that we do, you know, like we could just like. Like, yeah, okay, I can get a gun and, you know, and wipe, you know, kill someone. But, you know, what on earth happens to laws when it's kind of like, oh, I can't actually approach you because we are we have reached sort of a nuclear impasse between just two people. Just just two people. Forget, you know, mutually assured destruction now. (laughs) Yeah. Literally mutually assured destruction. Like if we get started, it's going to go there. You know, that's because that's the nature of like uh, there a lot of my worldview goes into it. So, you know, if everybody's sinners and and one of the things that really stops me from maybe attacking you is that there's going to be pain involved for me personally. You know, like if I like if I throw a punch at you, Henry, you're going to throw a punch back. Right. So it's going to hurt. So that's that is going to sort of be a deterrent between me and you from having a fight. You know, in the future, yeah, we hurt each other, so maybe we don't want to, you know, get into it again. You know, we maybe, maybe, you know, that's that's one of those things that stops people from going at each other. That hurt. Well, I'm not going to do that. Or the state gets involved. But if one person could wipe out the state, like the state could wipe out one person, that's a whole different world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's sort of vague sounding, but. You know, we all imagine that, you know, power looks like Superman, but, you know, Superman can't just there. There are things that Superman can't do as much as we'd like to think that he could do everything. There are things that Superman there are things that Superman can't do. Um, a, a real, you know, real ultimate power wouldn't look like that at all. It would be much worse. And, and the reason that it would be much worse is because we are sinful people. Nothing would stop a sinful person from saying, I am going to, I'm, I, because I am the first to, to, to emerge in this. It's the reason the the title, if anybody's seen, I put it out there, Emergence Chronicles. I'm the first, one of the first people to emerge. Therefore, I'm the one that's in charge right now. You are going to do what I tell you to do until someone else comes up and says, well, I can counter you now. Said, well, maybe you want to join me because, and then it gets worse and worse. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. I mean, you know, what would happen if it just ran out of control? And that's, you know, if every and changes happen so quickly, you know, like like how's this for interesting? You can 3D print a gun now. Think about that for a second. You can yeah. 3D print a gun. We're this close to having quantum computing. And that's something that would take me an hour to explain to people what on earth that even is. Like, what do you mean quantum computing? So, well, Next I can't, time on Angel Repair News, I can't Matthew explains, explains quantum computing. computing. Yeah, <laughs> but, but the thing is, is, even then I'm not so certain that you would understand what that is. You know, because I can't just give you a dichotomy of saying that, you know, um, right now we use silicon and things like that to make – but we're not going to use silicon when this starts. In fact, the, we could actually use almost anything to do quantum computing. But quantum computing itself is different than computing as we understand it now. It's it, it would take a lot longer to explain what that is. It t- it it took an hour and a half for one of the people at Google to explain it to a bunch of developers what quantum computing was. <laughs> yeah. Just look for an article online what kind of quantum computing is, and then whenever you get done, ask yourself if you figured out what on earth they're talking about. But it's a real thing. It's it's a real thing that's on its way. So, so but you know. maybe to maybe to tie all this in. So we when we talked about the social upheavals that we've had, the changes, yeah. um, and what would have been considered morality in the morals, um, in, in the sphere of morality, private morality, sexual morality. I think the the argument has transcended that, no pun intended, uh, because now it's it's gone beyond. Uh, sexual orientation to to what constitutes gender um and i think all of these things are centered in quests individual quests collective quests communal quests for meaning and how does that coincide with all of the new developments and technologies yeah because i i don't think anything is sep- is separate uh, in our social developments anymore. Everything is so interwoven from our views, uh, no, to our views about, um, you know, re- relationships being personhood, uh, morality, religion, theology. Uh, I think all that is connected to uh, technological developments. You know, yeah. the way we now consume information, the way we process information, the um, – well, how people get information. Exactly, yeah. You know, yeah. The, the idea of Encyclopedia Britannica. You know, when I, when I was growing up, we had, it wasn't Encyclopedia Britannica, but we had Funkin' Wagnalls. We had everything, plus the yearbooks. Year after year after year after year, mom and dad got the yearbook. And I remember reading those yearbooks, and it was fascinating. To re- Nobody would do that now. No, you know, no one would even think to pick up a book to look up, you know, something... Oh no! Historical. Waste of time. It would be. Oh yeah. It would be. It would take longer to find the book than it would to just type into Google about something and and start getting some information. Now, granted, that that information is a fire hose of information, and that is sort of a pun uh, because we always do the fire hose roundup. But you know, it's a fire hose of information that you got to ferret through. Where uh, an encyclopedia wasn't really like that, but but still, no one would run for that. And it's gotten to the point where people, you know, newspapers almost dead. I'm not going to say completely dead because people do still buy them. They still consume. Yeah. 
you know, those, but nobody even thinks about that. You know, as far as information goes, the way we get information is completely changed upside down, backwards, all different directions than it was when as far back as I can remember, you know, being a kid. So so this is this is the the question I want to pose. And and maybe I don't think we have an answer for it, but something I'd like to maybe even just leave with the listeners. So the changes in our society um, around identity. Uh, what it means to be human, what it means to be male or female or, or or all of that, everything that's up for debate now and is changing is, is our – if our identity is changing because of the new advances in technologies, the, the new advances in especially information technologies, if all this is changing because of that – I think at some level that means that the old worldviews that we had, that Christianity was fundamentally a part of, have now in some ways, I don't want to say been disproven, but has been dislodged from our society or has been left behind in the advance in the advancement of technologies. And so I think part of the challenge that we have is uh, – is finding out what it means to be a Christian in this in this changing landscape of uh, social uh, change and technological change. Yeah, does that, does that make sense? I don't. I don't it actually really does. That as it's a question. Well, it's you know. not a question. It's but what you're doing is you're defining the question. It's not. Well, it is a question, but it's not an answer. Like you said, we don't have an answer for it. Because it's too early in the game. But for one thing, the the people who are the thinkers in this, they're not thinking about this. No. They're, they're not thinking about it. They're not writing about it. They're still, for the most part, going over the, the, the same stuff as though nothing's changed. Yeah, exactly. Look, look at any theological exactly. journal, like from, from Concordia, for instance. They, and now they're hitting on, on uh, social topics. But they're still going over it as though nothing has changed. Yeah. So, you know, just just look at the uh, the. This is you know. Remember a while back, I used to make a joke about we bought all the burgundy books and now we have to buy, buy them in powder blue mm-hmm. because they changed the because they changed the bindings. Yeah. But it's all the same stuff, and they're pumping out more of the same stuff again, maybe with better better bibliography, better um, footnotes. Um, better uh, side articles and stuff like that, but it's all the same stuff being published as though nothing's changed. Yeah. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with doing that per se, but if you are looking to give people an idea of how to move forward, it's, it doesn't, it's, it's as we are now 500 years after Luther so far removed from Luther that you know, we we actually have to look at Luther and say, well, well, okay, is there anything there for this age? Yeah, I mean, and I'm not questioning, you know, because um, Luther is 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 has his feet planted in both medievalism and the Renaissance. There's a way in which he's shaking things up, asking pointed questions, coming up with with much more. Um, real conclusions but the problem is is he is planted in 
medievalism and the Renaissance, and and those are five hundred years ago. Do Do you we, think that's? I'll go ahead. No, go ahead. Do Do you think that's part of the problem with confessionalism, though? And because confessionalism I, is an identity. Because I, well, exactly. But but I, see the. Conf- I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to reiterate the concept of I've become a I've become a confessional Lutheran, and now I attack everything that I left behind. And it proves that I'm a confessional Lutheran. That's the psychology of it. See, I, I think and I think you really see that in the confessional crowds, uh, both the Lutheran and let's say the Presbyterian. I think especially in the Presbyterian crowds, <laughs> the middle, um, the middle of the group, the middle of the road group, the middle of the, the middle to, of the road guys, the, hu- the huge middle of the road guys. You know, yeah, we're huge, and we're middle of the huge. road. We're I'll huge. Deal with it, <laughs> but uh, but uh, you, you know it's. It's interesting. I don't know if you follow Post Barthian uh, on Facebook. It's a blog devoted to the uh, works of the neo-Orthodox theologian Karl Barth. Or Bart. Yeah. He was reformed even though the uh, Presbyterians, the conservative Presbyterians would, would cringe to hear me say that. <laughs> so I guess this guy posted a, uh, a – a, some article from his blog on uh, the two kingdoms and, and Bart's thought, and it got pulled from the Reformed Pub Facebook group because it was deemed as being non-confessional or unconfessional or something. And I think that is a, a prime example of the of the attitude, the binaries that the people yeah. love and they're comfortable with it, because you don't have to think about it at that point because then you just – you know, refer to the confession and say, oh, well, that's unconfessional. We're done. And I, and and I think it's one. Yep. And, and yeah, and it's, it's in some ways it's a shame given the, the technologies we have today to actually interact with people and to work through ideas. You think we would be doing more of that, something more productive. But instead, but, it, but it, well, but if it's, if the agenda is, this is how I, prove that I'm part of the tribe and stay part of the tribe, then yeah. there is no incentive. There's no will to work through anything. Yeah. Yeah. There's me, there's you, that's it. Done. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think part of the problem with confessionalism is, is that while, the, I mean, there's very good aspects to confessionalism in that, for instance, the book of Concord as a confession, did crystallize and preserve the actual theology of the reformers, uh, and really much in, in essentially doctrinal statements. Uh, it preserved that to where we have it now. So there's no there's no real debating, even though there is because we're 500 years removed. Um, but there's not the degree of debating over the, the meaning of the Reformation, over the theology of Luther and the early Lutheran church because we've actually preserved what they mean by that. The problem is is that I think what I was getting to in, in my previous question or definition of a question is that everything uh, about these confessions – is rooted in these past technologies, past metaphysics, uh, and past philosophical thought that's in some ways, and even historically, has become irrelevant today. We can't define, for instance, our relation to the Roman Catholic Church anymore by the uh, confessions because Rome has changed drastically. 
and whether or not we would want to admit it, we have changed also since then. Uh, and, and I think part of the problem with confessionalism is is that it doesn't give a proper voice to theology for the present moment because it's always trying to repristinate the beliefs of the past and represent them. Yeah. And so, but then again, you always have the the equal and opposite reaction of the liberals, who at the, you know, like for instance, let's say the the Joint Declaration between was it the, the Lutheran World Federation and yeah, the, the Roman Church? Yeah, you know, it was kind of like all oh, well, hunky dory. Rome doesn't really agree, but hey, let's all be friends. And it's 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 that other need for broader acceptance. Um. I think that the liberals often fall for. So it's not so much um, let me find acceptance in this little group. It's in fact this other group's need for need. It's the other group's need for acceptance within the broader group of society, or for in you in this instance it would be Rome or another group. And I think this is why you see maybe liberals willing to engage with. Uh, the changes in our society, which is certainly commendable, but then maybe there's also the uh, this kind of wholesale acceptance um, of them. Yeah. Whereas in the conservatives, you see the exact opposite: no willingness at all to engage. Uh, there's only the traditional condemnation. Uh, which becomes like a recording. It's it's it the does. first thing that it runs that your head runs to. Whenever you see something that's, well, that's not us, and exactly. I'm going to start exactly. pointing at it and saying that that's not us because, remember, that's what marks me as part of the group. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, I think that's where we're at, and people love that because uh, they want that. It, it, it In a cursory way, in a really sort of pedestrian way, it answers the question of meaning. Mm-hmm. But what happens whenever you get just so far into it and you start to go, okay, is this all that there is? Because everybody eventually gets to a point where, because this is, this is how things are. And, and you question the identities, you question the things. Because here, here's the thing about me and you. Would you and I have made the move to Lutheranism if we hadn't been questioning what was going on? No, yeah, no. Okay. No. Well, now that we're Lutherans, they want to tell us that that part of our brain shut that off now because you're you're stop. No questions. No, don't yep. question it anymore. Even though that was that was the very quality that that brought us there yep. in the yep. first place. Yep. Yep. And yep. guess yep. what? So much. Yep. And and eventually you get to a point where you start to wonder. And 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 if the answer that comes back is, just shut that up. Just shut that off. You're you're confessional now, right? Uh, yeah, exactly, well, exactly. um, I, yeah, I guess so. Then, then these are the talking points for confessionalism and you just stick by that and everything will be good. We'll be good with you and you'll be, and you'll be good with us. Yep. It's a good thing. God doesn't work that way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you see, this is, this is what I don't, it doesn't worry me because whatever happens will, will happen. But, but I think this is the attitude that. Um, that will cause Christianity to be left behind. Christianity um, as we've known it, Pastor. You know, Christianity exactly. Pa- Pastor Gary uh, said here a while back. You know, because you hear people say the world is post-Christian. And it is. Pastor yeah. Gary said, 
No, it's post-Constantinian. Well, yeah, I like that distinction better. It, because, you know, it's it, where Constantine, you know, makes it legal, which, of course, opens it up because, you know, it, it, here's the thing is, to a degree, it doesn't matter who the emperor afterwards was who makes it official. At the point that, that Constantine turns it and says that it's no longer illegal, he has by default said that the state is now for you. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And so there is, a, there is an exchange of power there. So, you know, now, it, I mean, it may not have been immediate that Christians started saying, ooh, now we're sort of the big guys on the block now, whereas before we weren't. You know, and I'm not saying that they necessarily ran roughshod, but the church can and has run roughshod over people. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. And and the way they did it, see people people these days they imagine that all oh, the pope was the one that you know said you're you we're going to throw you in the no they always used the power of the state for that they yeah. always did yeah. they always used there's a reason why we had a holy roman emperor. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's why I, I they mean, called him that for a reason yeah. because he was the one that was the, the head of the state power that got the church's work done, you know. So, and then too, that that kind of ties back into what I said earlier about how that uh, the rise of the LGBTQ movement is not unlike the rise of of Christianity in America. At least I I can't speak to Europe or anywhere else, but yeah. in some ways I think their rise to power and and the subsequent loss of privilege that Christians are experiencing in the culture and the shift in public morality it is actually one of the best things that could happen because uh, we, we've been in bed with the state. Yeah. And now, technically in America, we, we've never, quote unquote, been in bed with the state because uh, there's that supposed separation of uh, church and state. But – We've we've still had that power in a more roundabout way, uh, if nothing well, we, else. You culturally, elect, you elect your people into office. Yeah, you know, and that's that's basically how that works. Yeah, then then you can uh, promote the Christian agenda, <coughs> George <coughs> George Bush and <coughs> Zionism and <coughs> premillennialism. Yeah. Um, well, and um, other weird things too. <coughs> Ted Cruz. <coughs> Lucifer in the flesh. <laughs> did you did you see that church lady special with where Ted Cruz? Oh, you know what? Devil? I've been meaning to to look that up. You have to look that up, man. Oh man, <laughs> could it be Satan? And uh, but but that I would think, that I mean is Glenn okay? This won't spoil it. Do, do they ever make any reference to Glenn Beck in that? Because if they didn't, no, that, that's a mistake. I'll, because they, they, they should they should have had Glenn Beck in there somewhere. They should some because because <laughs> remember because <laughs> remember God's got His hand on on Ted Cruz and he yeah. is ordained to be president of the United States. That was Glenn I, Beck. <laughs> I wonder what he thinks of the Mormon God now. Yeah, but man, there, this there is a... twice we've had your candidate and you've turned your back on them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this is twice now there's a great meme circulating um it may have been a bernie sanders meme i'm not sure but it had all of the all the republican religious candidates and they were all like god told me to run <laughs> it has like trump at the bottom he's the nominee 
Oh, it's like it's, it's oh, is so that the great. one that ends with you know God told me to run, God told me to run, and yeah, and, yep, yep. and then at the and at the end of it, it's it's got him who says, "Someone hold my beer." Yeah, yeah, yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So watch this. That one. So, oh, oh, bunch of guys, bunch of billionaires sitting around the table with beers, and it's like, oh, Trump, you could never be president. And he takes a big swig off of it and says, "Hold my beer, I'll be right back." <laughs> <laughs> that one, it's that one. But it's so true because it's, and that's an example of of where this new shift in in social and public consciousness is good. I think for the church because we have to realize that we're not the majority, and that we shouldn't. And we should start uh, operating in, in all the because because the longer yeah. that we stay acting like things have never changed, the more irrelevant we yeah. look anyway. Uh, you yeah. know, so and. Uh, and I think there's there's two roads to irrelevant. That's the first one. Then the second one is the liberal option, where you're just all for anything, and you just kind of hit your wagon to whatever yeah. the next liberal political agenda is. Because then you kind of become yeah. irrelevant because you're not necessarily thinking for yourself. And maybe that's just my inner moderate, because I I am too liberal for my conservative friends, and I'm. I would too, too conservative, conservative for your liberal friends. For my liberal friends, and so that's, like, caught, deal with, that's caught you know. in the, between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, so what are you going to do? Uh, but um, all right, let me see where the time is here because we've talked and talked. Ooh, one hour and twenty nine minutes. Hey, that's all right. It's not even a new record. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Uh, so I think Diatron Five went longer than this one. I think it did. Episode. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, See now you want me to stick that in as the ending title, but we've already done that one, so now I have to think of some some music to end the show with. Um, Trump wins the presidency. Trump wins. Um, we will put out an episode. No, wait a minute. I had a show title. Now I've forgotten what it was. Oh, that's all right. I'll be listening to this later and find out. Okay. You know, because we had a show title, but I can't remember. But okay, so did we used to do? I think we used to end with some contact info again didn't we oh yeah we'll do that okay so well let me see here i think i've got it up i'll do it if i can if i can remember if i can remember well no you already did it i'll do it so angel repair juice pc at gmail.com if you would like to send us an email uh we'll promise to check the email once in a while angel repair juice pc at gmail.com angel repaired boot angel repair juice dot wordpress dot com you go there and you find, you know, eventually we're going to have to start doing some more articles in there again. There's also a Facebook group, ARJ, Angel Repair Juice Facebook group, and a page there, which kind of duplicates the, you know, the stuff. And you can also ARJ Podcast on Twitter, and that's not a verified account, but we'll work on it. So thanks for listening to Angel Repair Juice, a long Angel Repair Juice today, first one in forever. My name's been Matthew Pancake, and... My name's Henry Volk. And why don't you come back and listen to us next time when we figure out when we can put something out again. <laughs> God bless you all. <laughs>